Hello, this is Meg Nahara from episode 38. I just wanted to let you guys know about a new podcast I've been able to release called Unedited. My personal journey has been marked by a lot of challenge, but in the middle of it all, God healed my heart through the simple discipline of daily Bible reading and prayer. We all live in the unedited version of real life, and there is a God who wants to know us right there. It is my greatest passion to help people connect with God through His Word and His presence. You can find the unedited podcast wherever you listen by searching Unedited with Meg Nahera. I would absolutely love to have you join me for this journey. If you are like every other church in America, along with First Apostolic Church, we have discovered that we are in need of tools. We're in need of processes. We're in need of systems. And probably most of all, tracking when it comes to making disciples. When you join the movement, when you're a part of the disciple making movement, um, you're gonna come to a conference that's gonna give you all of those things. As a matter of fact, we are bringing in Pastor Timothy Lee all the way from Singapore. If you've not heard of him, I want you to know uh, he and a great team, uh, they are developing all these different programs, all these different systems. They have made tools and they're gonna make them available at the movement conference. You do not wanna miss these things. I promise you, it's gonna change your life. It's gonna turn people who are sitting in pews, people who are sitting um, on seats in church sanctuaries who are wanting to do more, it's going to empower them to make disciples. You don't want to miss it. Direct Concepts is a proud sponsor of the Crucial Conversation. Buying power, better prices, and bigger savings. That's what Direct Concepts can offer you and your church. Direct Concepts is a global acquisition firm specializing in a wide range of products. Signing on with an acquisition company is an act of stewardship, which can save your ministry money on the quality products you need. By joining Direct Concepts Alliance, you will receive offers of specialty buys on a wide range of products. We combine the buying power of our large client base to offer quality products at an unbeatable price. Oh, and the best part? It's completely free. No upfront fee, no monthly subscription, completely 100% free to join. What products does Direct Concepts Alliance offer? Our biggest orders typically revolve around remodeling. So we specialize in flooring, cabinets, and various other building materials. However, as a member of the DC Alliance, you will receive access to all the great deals we find. Whether you need new LED lighting for your sanctuary, building materials for your church renovation, or a good deal on musical equipment, Direct Concepts can help. Just fill out the request form on our website at fullcontainer.direct and click on the Crucial Conversation icon to get started. Let's save you money so you can reinvest in the kingdom. Once again, fullcontainer.direct. God bless. Hello, my fellow podcast listeners. It's Charity Sanders from Modest Direct here. I have been super excited to get a chance to connect with the Crucial Conversation listeners these past few months. ModestDirect.com specializes in women's clothing. I try to have a vast range of inventory that is changing and updating weekly. ModestDirect.com has a variety of styles. We have the Flannery Carpenter collection that has been a huge hit for those that love the trendy new look. We have gorgeous dresses, pencil skirts, and unique tops that keep our customers coming back again and again. We are a five-star Google-rated company. Yay, Modest Direct! Customer service is my number one goal. We don't have anything on our website over $50. 
Modest Direct offers women's apparel in most styles from small to plus sizes. Follow us on Modest Direct on Instagram and like the Modest Direct Facebook page. I would just love to give you the opportunity to sign up for our email group at ModestDirect.com. We give exclusive chances to sales there and often release new inventory to the VIP email group first. Make sure and use the Crucial Conversation 21. That's Crucial Conversation 21 coupon code for 10% off your entire order. ModestDirect.com can't wait to hear from you and help you with all your shopping needs. I think it's crucial that you visit ModestDirect.com and we have a great conversation about all the modest clothing that you are going to love. God bless you. Hello, Crucial Conversation listeners, pastors, youth pastors, leaders in your local church. My name is Corey Sanders and I want to introduce you to God First Living. God First Living is a seminar that equips and teaches saints to balance business with blessings so they can succeed in both the secular and the spiritual to further the kingdom and be the best they can be in their local church. I have been a business owner since I have been 19 years of age, so 20 plus years of experience living the principles of God First Living. My workshops and seminars are to educate believers on how to take a passion and turn it into a thriving business that blesses you personally and the kingdom. Learn how to build a successful business and to be productive and powerful in your local assembly by living a balanced life. I will give your church body attendees practical tools backed by biblical principles that have allowed my family to live in the abundant blessing. Our mission theme at our church apostolic center is give and go. Some people can give and some can go. I wanted to be able to do both. And because of these God first principles, I have the opportunity to go all over the country and all over the world in ministry because you can be successful in business and successful in the kingdom. It's learning how to balance and God first living principles will show you how. Anyone can do this. I only have an high school education, no business degrees, no businessman father that taught me the ropes, just a burden, started a business, learned to balance and living in blessing. This is for every saint or entrepreneur that wants to step into blessing and be blessed personally and bless their local assembly by giving and doing more in the kingdom of God. It's not just inspirational talk, but a testimony of a desire to be more in the kingdom and live in the overflow by building a thriving business, a fruitful ministry, and a balanced life. For more information, go to my website, GodFirstLiving.com. Once again, GodFirstLiving.com. And I'll end with this. I live by the words of my friend and late missionary, Brother Steve Willoughby, who's spoken to my life. If you take care of God's business, He will take care of yours. God first let God bless. Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Excited, super excited, Brian, to have on uh, a good friend, 
well, I can't say good friend anymore. When we were both in Illinois, we were friends. How about that? Uh, but we oh, have we're still on, good friends, man. There you go. Well, I haven't seen you in forever, so it don't count. It don't count. <laughs> but uh, I have on today uh, on the Crucial Conversation podcast, uh, preacher extraordinaire, uh, pastors in Toledo, Ohio, um, just a dynamic guy all the way around. Um, some of the best times we had was actually in your car um, on the way to eat after revival services. Man, we would talk basketball nonstop. But what, who we have on the podcast today is none other than Chris Dillingham, host of a podcast, by the way, uh, the Mobilized Church Podcast, correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. So preacher, pastor, uh, podcast. You just got done golfing. You do it all, man. But thanks for taking time out of your schedule to hang out with Brian and I tonight. Uh, this is one that I've been looking forward to for a little bit. And uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. Oh, man, I appreciate you. Appreciate you guys having me on. You guys have a fantastic podcast. I love the conversations and uh, just just honored to be here. And man, we we definitely I was thinking about it tonight as we we're getting ready. Just, you know, some of those good times of revival there in Cobden. And of course, you know, I want to yeah. offer condolences to you and your family. Your dad was a was a good friend of mine, man. He was a good man. And uh, some of some of my best times evangelizing uh, was that revival that we had, man. I can't remember. I don't And What was it like eight weeks, maybe, or something like that? Eight, 10 weeks. It was, it was wild, man. It's stuff that you don't even hear. You can't even get these church folks to go to church for a weekend revival on a Saturday and Sunday night. Man, we had that thing rolling, didn't we? It was crazy, man. And, <laughs> and what's funny about it is brother McKenna's called me and he said, Hey, I want you to come do revival. And he said, we may go one service or we may go 10 weeks. We don't know. We'll just see. So I said, okay, well, let's do it. And so I think it was about eight, 10 weeks we went, man. It was just God, God really moved in an amazing way. And I, I've actually told some of the stories of things that happened in that revival. I preached about them all over the place. So good times, man. Appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate your friendship. And, uh, you know, of course, fellow Cubby, Alina, right. like we just, we just got a lot in common. So it's That's all right. good, man. So, um, Brian, we, he was talking about that revival and, you know, me and you, we, we kind of joke about, about that. And, you know, I made quick reference to it about how people don't really, um, do that revival thing anymore. Yeah. We, we beg for revival. We preach about revival, but as long as it comes on Sunday morning at nine o'clock, we're all good. Was uh, it every have, night? Uh, what's that? Was it every night? It, it was what? Every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, something pretty like much that. something like that. There were a couple of weeks where it was Wednesday, Sunday, but it, it was mostly Wednesday through Sunday for for weeks. Yeah, it was it was wild, but it was great. So tell 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 Brian and myself what what are some of those things that happened in that revival that you do preach about? I mean, I I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, we had um, well, actually before you came, we were in revival still with another uh, evangelist. Right. And, exactly. And, and pastor said, look, we're going to shift gears. He said, I met this young man at, at camp meeting or board meeting, something like that. I don't remember what it was. And uh, I was just kind of thinking, why in the world would he change the way that this feels right now? And, bro, you came in and uh, you just um, this sounds so cliche, but, man, you just stole my heart from the get go. But <laughs> tell us a little bit about those things that you've seen in those revivals. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, there were there were some some pretty notable miracles and things that happened, but I, I think probably the most, I, and I, I don't, I'm sure you remember this, but 
you know, there were some things that, that were kind of pretty deep seated in the church for a long time. Uh And, and we, you know, we just kind of kept digging and and man, the Lord just, he was, he was digging stuff up and people were getting healed, but man, there was a service and it actually came, uh, near the end of the revival. Um, and I, I had no idea what I even preached, but man, just a spirit of unity and forgiveness swept into that place. And literally people started standing up and saying, Hey, I, and I want to apologize to this person. I want to apologize to this family and had a couple, couple people stand up and say, you know, I want to apologize to the pastor because of this situation, whatever. And man, I mean, there was, there was such healing and unity that, uh, in, I, you know, you talk about like these long, long extended revivals. We don't have that a lot now. And I, I think one of the things that I learned evangelizing is you know, we want everything to happen so quickly, but sometimes it just takes a process of, you know, just really digging deep into some things and letting God bring some things to the surface that we become very effective at like just suppressing and pushing down. And that, that revival to me is a perfect example. God just kept bringing that stuff up. We dealt with it and there was unity and healing. Like, honestly, bro, I not, never experienced anything like that. I evangelized for almost seven years and uh, really, really didn't see anything on that level as far as healing and unity. Right. I, I, I specifically remember that because my, my family was a part of that. Absolutely. And it, it's something that uh, we still uh, sometimes talk about to this very day. There was um, a family that we had no idea had, um, towards us you know we we didn't know how they felt against us you know and and uh this the the mother of this massive family that came to our church um the grandmama the big mama whatever you want to call her you know the 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 leader of the home pretty much the whole family she she asked my family to stand up and every single member of that family came over and apologized to our family. We had no idea, you know, right. Cause right. I was, I was great friends with the the son. I'm sure you remember him very well. You yeah, know, me and sure. him grew up together and right. uh, you know, but, and ever since then, I remember just, you said it, man, unity was just overflowing. And you, but you also touched on something that Brian, what, what me and you do is we talk about those things and we deal with those issues that kind of do get suppressed and you can only suppress a spring so long before it just explodes. You, you, first of all, if you take this huge spring, right, and you just keep pushing it together and pushing it together, pushing it together, yeah, you can hold that for a little while, but eventually your hands are going to start shaking. You're going to start breaking down. Your mind is going to start playing games with you. Your muscles are just going to start wearing out, and you're going to release that thing, and that spring is just going to jump right out of your hands. And I don't know so why – I don't know why uh, we as apostolics, we do that with these issues, you know, we, we, we suppress these issues for so long that we have to have a service like that. We have to we have to get to this place where I can't handle it no more. This is where I'm at. When if we would just deal with these things and understand that you don't have to be perfect 24 seven living for a guy because it's not going to happen that way. Right. No, absolutely, man. And I, I agree. I think. And I, you know, I don't know that it's it's just in apostolic circles. You know, I'm I'm connected in a lot of areas, or whatever. And I th- I think, I you know, I do think that as as believers, we have a hard time finding that balance of being able to communicate places where we're we're weak or where we struggle, 
without feeling like that we're compromising our faith, you know, that somehow, somehow it's, it's, you know, because our faith, you know, is supposed to be something. And so by articulating and and verbalizing that we're having these issues, you know, somehow that, that, that is uh, an indictment against our faith. And, but like you said, the bottom line is it's there, whether we like it or not, whether we talk about it or not, that issue, that problem is absolutely there. And, you know, we've got to, we've got to learn to deal with it here, here at, at uh, our church, you know, we, we've started a, a program. Uh, Tony, you probably know my, my in-laws have a recovery center in Champaign. Yeah, we actually have two people from our church in that, in that church right now. Awesome. Awesome. And so, so yeah, you, you so, you know, so they, they use a program um, they were, they were having really good success early on where guys were coming in, you know, getting off of drugs and doing really great. But when they went back to normal life, you know, they didn't, they didn't last real long. And so what they learned was this was that it wasn't just getting, getting guys free from their addictions, but there were so many underlying issues that was their mechanism to deal with those issues. So when the stresses and pressures of life started kind of weighing in on them, their, their reflex was to go back. And so they use a program called Genesis. Uh, and it's, it's this, it's, it's a process. It's not, you know, psychobabble or whatever. It's a process of uncovering those places in us that are wounded, that are hurt, that are broken. And, and what our reflex is for some people, it's, you know, it's sexual impurity, it's lust, it's pornography. For some people, it's anger. For some people, it's depression. For some people, it's addiction. And so, so learning what that dysfunctional behavior is and what's driving that, you start dealing with that root cause rather than just the fruit. And so, man, we've seen, we've seen some amazing things, you know, happen with that. And I, and I do think we're getting better. I think we're, we're recognizing and realizing I, I made the statement to our church and, and uh, this Sunday, and I said, you know, if, if the Holy ghost, we know that the Holy ghost is transformational, right? I mean, I personally have experienced that. We weren't raised in church. I experienced the transformational power of God. But if the Holy Ghost fixed everything, there would be no need for the epistles. There'd be no need for the rest of the Bible. It would just be get the Holy Ghost and you're all good. But but the reality is there's there are places in us that need to be uh, conformed into the image of Jesus. And that's what this process is about. So again, I appreciate you guys having you know, the real conversations, talking about some of those deep issues, the insecurities, the fears, the battles that we face. Uh, I think, I think, you know, like I said, I think we're doing better, but we need to keep growing in that way and, and uh, address these, these topics. For sure. Uh, we were, when my father passed away, um, we were going through his office, right? And we were, t- my sister was taking stuff that she would want. I was taking stuff that I wanted and the things that we both wanted, we kind of just mutually agreed to do certain things. <laughs> but yeah. uh, one thing I did get was um, my dad's um, notes, his sermon notes, his iPad just chalked full of notes and sermons and thoughts and stuff like that. And, you know, that's, that's how my dad was. He would always carry around pen and paper and he would, and he would jot down something that would come to his mind. And, you know, some of this stuff I can't make sense of at all, but I, <laughs> you know, I just try to figure it out. And, you know, he always said, you know, carry something with you because when you have a thought, write that down because you can get a sermon out of anything. Well, bro, you're going to laugh here, but you know, my daughter is real into, um, 
what is it, American Ninja Warrior TV show right now. Those, right. those people, those people who go through those obstacle courses. And, you know, she always looks at me and says, Daddy, can you do that? And I always say yes, because I, I have <laughs> pride for that. Yeah, but, right. Uh, <laughs> In our but, dreams. Uh, <laughs> what's that, Brian? I'm just laughing, man. <laughs> but anyway, there's this phrase that they constantly say. Um, I, I'm going to call you Brother Dillingham. But there's this phrase that they constantly say on this TV show. They say, oh, man, his arms are fully extended. He's in trouble now. He has lost all of his strength in his arms. He's, it, his arms are locked. He's in trouble now. You know, I got to thinking, wow, that is so true. You know, we come to these these places in our lives where, oh, I can hold on just a long, little longer to this addiction or I can hold on just a little bit longer to this problem I'm having. I, I still got a little bit more strength. I, I can do this by myself. And then before we know it, it's almost too late. It's too, too far gone. And we don't know where that breaking point is. And so. I'm very, very, very thankful for uh, the stuff that uh, Bishop Rogers is doing at, at his church. You know, like I said, we've personally sent two people out of our church up there because, you know, it's time that the church wakes up and realizes it's not just our cities that's having issues. It's our church as well. Bro, bro, you were right on the money. And, you know, I, I went to the training. This is this is kind of what convinced me because, you know, here in Toledo, we were we're, you know, we're reaching in the inner city, uh, you know, pretty, of course, you know me, but pretty radical, you know, outreach and discipleship and whatever. And so, you know, we're reaching completely, totally and completely unchurched. And so, I, you know, we're dealing with a lot of people with addictions and habits and so forth. And so I went to the training session and what I came away with it was this was we all have some level of dysfunction in us. We just learn how to cope. We learn how to, you know, like you said, just kind of hold on just a little bit and we learn how to do that. But, it, it, you know, we, we always have a saying when I coached our high school basketball team here, you know, our, our little saying was like, you know, you gotta, you gotta be prepared because pressure busts pipes. And mm. when, when the pressure of life hits, what happens is you reflex back to those those natural tendencies to that dysfunction. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of a series right now about, about transformation, you know, Romans 12 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's actually two words in scripture that, that is used for the word transformed. Uh, one of them means, uh, basically a disguise. So, so when it talks about in, in, I think it's second Corinthians, when it talks about Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. It's not the same word as Romans chapter 12. It actually means that he disguises himself as an angel of light and that his ministers disguise themselves or, or transform themselves into apostles. But the word in Romans 12 is the word metamorpho, which literally means metamorphosis to, to totally and completely change. And here's this is what I what I was preaching to, to the church is this is we have no problem believing that the new birth is transformational, that somebody with, you know, a drug addiction or somebody with an immoral lifestyle or whatever can come in and man, just, just get in touch with the power of God and he can transform their lives. But what we do have a problem with is believing that, at, you know, when, as we're growing in our personal discipleship, that that same transformational power 
can change the places in us that are causing problems in our relationships, our finances, our emotional health and wellness and all that kind of stuff. And so, so, you know, Jesus doesn't just want to, you know, bring us out of that and then us live the rest of our lives with this brokenness and dysfunction that we have because of our past decisions or experiences or our natural tendencies. He wants to transform us, be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds, because the greatest battle we're fighting right now is not demonic forces. We have the power of the Holy Ghost, but the greatest battle a lot of people are facing, especially coming out of COVID, coming out of uh, quarantine and all this stuff is, is the battle of the mind. And man, I, I was, I'm, I'm getting text messages all day today from people saying, you know, I, I mentioned, um, you know, suicide, suicidal thoughts, and just, just feeling like emotionally broken and wounded. I'm getting tons of text messages from people saying, man, you were, you were talking right to me today. These are good people that love God, that are faithful, that serve. They're just battling some crazy stuff in our world, man. This has been a, it's been a weird time. Uh, we've never seen anything like that. And so, you know, we need, we, and this is why we're passionate about discipleship. And this is why we're passionate about Genesis. We're passionate about, you know, having an apostolic move of God because, because we need all of those things together because God wants us to grow to perfection, to wholeness, to maturity. And we need all those things working together. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely tested me. I mean, me and Brian talked about that. But go ahead, Brian. Oh, definitely. No, you go ahead. What were you saying? Uh, I was I was just gonna say that you know it it COVID really changed the way people thought their whole process. You know, we didn't understand the things that we took for granted. You know, I thought that I was a pretty solid, sturdy Christian. Uh, don't go to church for about 13 weeks. Tell me how that works. Uh, <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't realize, uh, and you know, I'm glad my dad can't hear this right now. Uh, but <laughs> well, he will, but, uh, I didn't, I thought that I was, I thought that I was a good Christian. I thought I was, you know, I thought, you know, I, I could, I could, I understand why people want, could wants to stay home every once in a while. You know, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. Uh, I didn't realize how much I depended on the church to feed me. Um, but yeah. whenever I'm stuck at home and locked inside my house, I look into my spiritual cupboards and they're, they're empty. I'm like, well, yeah. man, I'm, I'm starving. How am I going to eat today? You know? And, uh, you know, we would still, uh, our church at one point we'd start having, you know, five or six musicians and singers. And, you know, that's, I was like, okay, well maybe that'll do it. That did nothing for me. I would watch online. That would do nothing for me. I listened to um, preaching on YouTube. I was like, man, this is all just, uh, I just, I want to be in his presence, you know, and it's, it, it tried the, the, the very soul of me, you know, and I, I didn't realize that I needed the church. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of the things that, that we have said here, you know, we, of course, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead if we're going to talk about this, but, you know, we, we, we're pushing discipleship and the, the importance of discipleship. And, you know, one of the things that we've said is to the church, this is, this is pre COVID. We kept saying the church, you know, of course we, we, we've all heard it, right. You know, the building is not, it's not all about the building. It's outside the four walls, or whatever. But what we kept saying is this is we don't go to church. 
but we gather with the church. And so our language here at FAC Toledo is we don't, we don't, I tell people like, don't say we go to church. We gather with the church understanding. Yeah. Big difference. Huge difference. difference. Right. And so we're the church family. And so what that, what, what we tried to communicate, and this is, you know, where we felt like that this discipleship stuff prepared us probably better than a lot of churches. And I'm not saying that bragging, I'm just saying leading of the Holy ghost, but I, I feel like we were more prepared because we had been pushing and pushing and pushing that we gather with the church so that we can go out and scatter to do the work of ministry, to get in the key spaces of life and, and what have you. And so what we, what we kept saying was what it actually does is places the appropriate value on the gathering. So some of, some, some people had a hard time understanding, thinking that I was minimizing church services and coming together. I'm like, no, 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 you're missing the point. What, what I'm saying is so many people have put the emphasis, like if I don't, if I don't, if, if, if that service doesn't ring the bell, if, if the songs don't hit me and the preacher doesn't preach a message that is directly related to me, or, you know, it's not a youth Congress style service, then, you know, it didn't, it just didn't quite do anything for me. But if we can understand that every time we come together, it's the family of God coming together to celebrate him, to be edified, to be built up and to grow in him what'll happen is we'll start appreciating it because we're putting it in its proper perspective and then we'll go out. And so I, I, I think, I think, you know, quarantine and COVID was a real eye opener for a lot of people. Like you said, Tony, recognizing that, you know, obviously it, it, it caused us to put that value back on. We need the family of God. We need to be together with each other, the importance of that, but also I can't be totally and completely dependent on that because, because if I am, who knows what the future holds? I've got to, I've got to have that, you know, that living on mission every day, uh, you know, the influence of the spirit consistently in my life. And then when I come together, I'm going to come, you know, filled up, ready to, to, to serve and to, to give out and to encourage somebody else. Not, so I, I really think I, I don't, I don't want to say, I want to be careful here. I don't want to say that, you know, I, oh, positive came out of COVID. But if there if there are some things that we can learn and grow from, then I think that's important. And I think that's one of the one of the big learning lessons for us. Um, I think that um, just kind of tagging in with some of the things that you had said, that a lot of the things that we perceive as being church are non-biblical. Like, let me say like this, our idea of what the church building is would be foreign to the idea of the apostles. Sure. They didn't, they didn't have church the way that we had church. And, and so in many ways, we have obviously developed beyond what the New Testament even teaches. And in a way, uh, it almost caused people to return to a more biblical model, which is meeting in small groups or in our sense, you know, updating the 21st century meeting online. And, and a lot of people, you know, obviously criticize, we could criticize that because, well, you're forsaking the assembly of yourselves together. And yet the way we assemble together today is not the way that it was assembled in the new Testament church. Right. Right. And I think, I think the, 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 like the, 
the theological shift, the philosophical shift is, you know, I, I did a series about, about the church and, you know, the, the New Testament term is Ecclesia, and it was a gathering anywhere, wherever, wherever the people gathered, that was the church. And, you know, it, it, it evolved over time where we get the word church is the German word Kirche. And that, that had the connotation of building. And so our thoughts shifted from wherever we go, wherever we are, we are the church to we now go to church. And I think that, I think that mindset and attitude has had a real negative impact and negative effect. And then, and then, you know, in the modern era, since, since 1970, the advent of the mega church, um, mm-hmm. you know, now gave us this impression that, you know, what, what my brother and I talk a lot about is the attractional model church where, where you're trying to do things to attract people in. It's got to have better programs, you know, Andy yeah, Stanley, friendly. Yeah. Andy Stanley famously said, you know, if you don't, if you're not taking your child to a mega church, you're doing a great disservice to them. And, um, because why? Because they offer all the programs and all of you know all the things and whatever. And so we've bought into the church grows attractional model. And at the end of the day, here's here's the dirty little secret. In they they did a study, uh, Lifeway Research, Ed Stetzer, all these uh, all these known uh, researchers, and that their own statistics say that ninety percent of mega church growth comes from church transfers. Their statistics say only 10% come from conversions or baptisms, whatever, whatever, however they identify that. Ryan, I believe we've had a conversation about that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Possibly. I mean, um, that's, that's the thing, you know, I've said so many times we're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing it because the church would rather not look like a church anymore to attract the unchurched to say, Oh, this is a hip church. This is a cool church. I wonder if the pastor is wearing sneakers and uh, you know, has that, that cool table beside his pulpit and all this stuff, you know, we're missing the whole point. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't understand, um, you know, when church lost its identity, but it has in the 21st century. And, uh, you know, I, I would do anything to go back to those days where we had those eight week revivals, not necessarily saying, hey, I would love to spend, you know, my next 28 of my 30 days of the next month in, in revival service. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the hunger for God's spirit over the hunger for what other people think. Yeah. You know, that's well, that's what I want to get back to. Yeah. And here's here's what I here's what I've said. And I, I've told our church this is this is. You know, when we come out of when we came out of COVID, we went back to, to our to a different schedule. I said, our our we're not gonna say we're getting back to normal because the reality is we're we're not living, we're living in a day we've never we've never experienced anything like this. And so so I think there are and, and I don't I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying. This is why I say, you know, it, if you if you have the right view it actually places the appropriate value, not too much, not too little, the appropriate value on our gatherings. And, you know, there are some things that we do here locally that, that, you know, we do that is, you know, looks very much attractional. Um, You know, we utilize modern technology and we utilize some of those kinds of things 
but but here's the here's the difference for me. Okay, the difference for me is this: is again the 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 underlying culture, the foundation of our church, is a culture of apostolic doctrine, apostolic demonstration, and apostolic discipleship, and that's where our church was really missing it. We had the two down really good, but we didn't have a discipleship culture. And so whatever, whatever attractional looks like in your context, if, if there, if it doesn't have those components, it's going to come up short. And so what we do is as a pastor, we go to, we, you know, we read, we read the books about church growth, or we see what, what is working for one guy or, or, you know, some guys having this explosive revival. And then he starts doing seminars and telling everybody, Hey, you do church the way I'm doing it. And then you could have the same kind of revival. And the reality is this is it's not about that. It's about the principles. The principles don't change. And I think where we've gotten off is people have viewed church as an event that we go to and they've not viewed themselves as the church that's the problem Mm -hmm. and so they're not living every single day our language here is you're you know we're raising up everyday missionaries where we live work and play to be disciple makers where we live work and play and that's the shift that we're trying to get away from not saying hey we don't want to we don't want to have church services and whatever we're not saying that what we're saying is we're going to have services but the purpose of that is to equip you, to edify you, to see an apostolic demonstration so that there's a place where as you're discipling somebody, you can bring them and they can come be a part of the church family, the body of Christ. And then and then you as the church go out and do the mission. And so that's why, again, we say we don't go to church. We gather with the church. We are the body of Christ. And I do I do agree. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Brian or Tony. I can't remember which one said this, but I do think that there is a transformation that's happening. And I can tell you, as we've started down this path, the number of calls, the number of texts I've gotten from pastors, and, and there is a, there is a, a spirit led movement that is happening of people that are saying, if we're going to reach our world, this is, this is where, and I don't want to, I don't want to like ramble on and on, but this is, this is where I got to, where I look at a city in Toledo, Ohio, not a huge Metro area, 600,000 in the area. But I look around and say, if I'm really good and I build a mega church of 2,000 people, guess what? That's 598,000 people that I'm not reaching. That's not good enough. What, what I want to see is I want to see missionaries and disciple makers in every neighborhood, in every community, in every suburb. And I think there's this awakening that's saying, look, we're, we, we're not getting the job done the way we're the, the Western you know, building steeple-based model is not, the institutional model is not getting the job done in reaching our world. Don't, don't chuck everything. And this is where, you know, we've, we've caught some, some, I don't say backlash, but some questions from, from some people. We're not saying chuck the whole thing. What we're saying is no, put it back in the proper context and recognize the institution of the church can never get the job of multiplication revival done. Only, only the mobilized group of people, the mobilized church can get that done. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how it is in your context, but like here, if you invite someone to church, their response is, well, I have a church, bro. And it's like, well, what do you say then? So when it comes to evangelism, the church is our primary method of evangelism. Come to yes. church with me. But if they don't come to church with you, then, then there's nothing, there's nothing else. And so, so I, I think that it's important to have a, when it comes to evangelism, 
a better tactic than, hey, where do you go to? Do you want to come to church with me? Because they have a church, but yeah. and they're usually pretty loyal to their church. Well, what? How? How different is it to ask the question of, "Would you like a Bible study?" Well, I have a church. Well, I didn't ask that. I asked, "Would you yeah. like a Bible study?" And and so it's a totally different form of evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not only that. So so what we said here was this: was the two the two main methods that we've used to reach people is invitation, which you referenced, and information, right? So our first method is, and I, when I evangelized, you know, Tony, you, you, I probably said this in Cobden, but, you know, one of the biggest lies that we've ever told is if we can just get people to church, then we've got them. Yeah. If, that was the, if that was the case, man, our churches would be jam-packed because right. we, we've, gotten, we've gotten them to, to, to church. The other issue is this. It's, you know, if you look at the statistics, particularly, um, you know, millennials and younger the, the largest growing religious group is identified as the nuns, N-O-N-E. They don't have any religious affiliation. So, so you know, they, they, view, they view religion, you know, years and years and years of, of dog and religion and whatever. They view religion like they view government. It's crooked, it's corrupt, whatever. And so when you invite them to church, that's their perception. It's boring or it's you know, televangelist or whatever. And so they don't want an invitation information, you know, that worked in a context. And I, you know, I've been a radical home Bible study teacher. I believe in it. I still believe in it, but we can't, we're not going to information people to Jesus in a context where you, you know, where you want to, somebody needs a little more truth or a little more understanding that absolutely is a good route, a good method to go. But we're living in a generation where there's not agreement, like like no generation we've ever seen before. There's not agreement that the Bible is the the final authority, or that even our view and perspective. And so you know, um, you know, people looking at it say, well, that, you know, man, and if if you believe that, good for you. So so imagine we tell people, here are your two main methods to reach your world. Now go do it: invitation and information. And both of those are 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 massively inadequate. And so people get frustrated and that's why people aren't engaged in the mission like they need to be because they feel frustrated. But, but in discipleship, discipleship is relationship based and anybody, anybody can, can learn how to build relationships with people in our world. And I use this, I use this illustration. I was, (laughs) I hope I don't get in trouble. I was, I was preaching one Sunday and I came down and, you know, I was feeling pretty good about service and, you know, I didn't, I didn't mess it up too bad. And I thought that was pretty good church today. And a lady that had never been to service stopped me. And she said, "Uh, can I have a word with you? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, this is my first time here. I've never been here. And so of course I welcomed her whatever. And she said, well, I appreciate that, but I I need to tell you something. I said, okay. And I mean, y'all, for literally 10 minutes, she started telling me everything that I, I was doing wrong as a pastor. I've never met this lady. And she's telling me, I'm a horrible pastor. I was doing this wrong. I'm doing that wrong. I'm doing this wrong. And so I had an elder there. He was ready to like escort her out. I said, oh, it's all good. So she got done. I said, I said, is that all? She said, yes, sir. And I said, well, thank you for coming. I appreciate you coming. You know, God bless you. And I walked off and I'm telling you, never even gave, I couldn't even tell you what she told me. It rolled off of me. I didn't even listen to it. 
And I, so, so I tell the church, imagine if my father-in-law, who's my pastor, uh, my hero, like, I mean, he is the, the most godly example of a Christian, great leader, pastor. And uh, if he met me as I was coming down that aisle and said, boy, listen, we need to have a talk. There's some things that you're not doing right. There's some things I see, blah, blah, blah. What would I do? My response would, I'd turn around immediately and head to that altar and pray through until I got those things squared away. What's the difference? The difference is relationship. And we're talking to people about the most important thing in the world, their eternal salvation, the relationship with the God of heaven. And we're trying to do it without relationship. And so if we can get people to learn how to build a relationship, here's what I know. There will be God moments where you have an opportunity to introduce Jesus into their situation. And because they trust you, because they know you, because they know your walk, they know your life, they're going to look to you for answers. And when you tell them, if you want to know why I am the way I am, let me point you to Jesus and let me show you the way. And I think that's the shift and transformation that's happening in the body of Christ. It's powerful. You- yeah, you were saying that um, whenever you would go to revivals as evangelists, you would talk about if we could just get them in the door. I think our biggest misconception as apostolics is church growth has to do with numbers. No, absolutely. It has nothing to do with numbers. Well, uh, it has everything. This, Tony, if I, if I can just throw because I'm right there with you, bro. We actually change the way we evaluate our effectiveness because – you know, when you go to conference, what 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 do they what do people ask? Hey, what are you running? What are you running? And so we we have a couple of we how have, much you're giving? Exactly right. Nickels and noses. Those are the two things. Nickels and noses. And so um, we actually changed. We we have a couple. We have three campuses right now. Looking to launch a fourth. Maybe you know maybe a couple more here shortly. We actually want to launch twenty church missions by 2025, and we feel like we can do even more than that. And so what we've said is this, our, our effectiveness is not measured by how many people gather on Sunday. That's, that's good. That's important. But our, where are we reaching and where are we connecting with people? And so we do something called Mission Impact, which looks at all of these different campuses, different you know, missions. It may not look like a traditional church plan, but it's a mission. And so we've, we've got a situation at a motel where God opened up a door and we go every Sunday afternoon and we feed people. We have church services, whatever. And, uh, man, we've been averaging anywhere from, from you know, 40 to 55, 60 people every Sunday. Now, if under the old measurement, what we would have done is run a van over there, picked them up and brought them to the church to make us feel better about our church numbers at our gathering. But I'd rather go and, and minister to 50, 60 people. Uh, families that are battling addictions and whatever that would never come to church. I'd rather do that and say, you know what? That's a part of our mission. It, just because they didn't come to our building on Sunday doesn't mean that we're not fulfilling the mission. So I, I just wanted to throw that in there because I think you're exactly right. That's, that's a, that's a sports analogy there. You know, I have no problems going and playing in a away game. You know, they yeah. feel comfortable in their home atmosphere. Why should I make them feel timid and uncomfortable to make me feel better about the numbers in my church? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I think that pressure of, you know, that, that the peer pressure, what do we look at as successful? We elevate, again, we elevate the mega church. And again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not saying that the mega church is necessarily wrong. I'm just saying 
we've elevated that to the to the highest levels. But the reality is, this is one of my this is kind of one of my passions is like urban areas. Nobody's nobody's going to the urban areas. I, I shouldn't say nobody. It's it's very few people are going into the urban areas. It's one of the greatest missionary fields in our country because it's hard because it doesn't look glamorous. It does you know you know doesn't get you on TV and whatever. But 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 that's where the harvest is, man. That's where people are, and we've got to go there sure. rather than trying to get them into our building so we feel better about our numbers. So you know, let me like, just, like in Memphis, all the churches in Memphis are all on the outside of the city, it, and it's that way in most. It's that way in most urban areas. You know, we have a we have an inner city campus here. And uh, man, it's tough. I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 been one of our things. But what what I've told our campus pastor is, you know, we're gonna we're gonna figure out how to effectively minister in the urban areas. And right now, you know, we've got multiple discipleship groups in the inner city throughout throughout various spots, community or neighborhoods in the inner city. And then eventually, what will happen is we'll have a place where all of those groups will come together and they'll gather together, and then they'll go back out to their neighborhoods. And so we, what we want to do is we want to reach people here in Toledo and figure that out. But man, I've got to, I have a tremendous burden for our metro areas, our urban areas, and I want to send missionaries. I want Toledo to be Antioch. I want it to be the sending center of missionaries. I, I, don't, I don't want to be measured by seating capacity. I want to be measured by sending capacity. Are we sending out missionaries into those spaces and urban areas, inner city areas is one of my my huge passions. So I want to, you were saying that your in-laws was your heroes in your eyes. So I never say the same thing, but I'm going to. (laughs) So just before you say it, I do want to say one thing. I want to clarify before we move too far past this, shout out Steve Smith, because his church is the only one that I know of that is within the city limits of Memphis. Yeah. But uh, yeah, true true story. But uh, what I was going to say is, so my, one of the biggest regrets I have, bro, is um, not knowing my father-in-law long enough. So my wife and I, we got engaged, married the whole nine yards. My father-in-law was alive for maybe a year and a half of that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, poured into me just so much, you know, and they did this program called Street Rage. So what they would do is they would, they, they would do children's evangelism, on their home turf, but they would go into the roughest parts of the neighborhood. You know, the, pla- the places where there are signs that says you're not allowed to be here from the hours of 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, you are subject to arrest at any moment for trespass, all this stuff. They would go in there and have church services. And, you know, they it. bring these kids, they would be praying these kids through to the Holy Ghost and bringing them back to church on Sunday, getting them baptized. And that's how they developed relationships. But through all of their travels, there's a story that um, my mother-in-law tells now at seminars and stuff that I, I want to share with you and our listeners right now about these urban, unchurched, un- uncharted territories that we're talking about right now and how important it is to go into these places. There was this, this kid that came to an apostolic church. He rode the bus, and he was just a bad kid. He was Satan's child himself, okay? Like, nothing nothing about this kid was remotely attractive. You didn't want him in your class. You didn't want him in your car. I'm on the bus. You know, he was just a bad kid. The pastor got so tired of talking to this kid. He looked at this kid dead in the face and said, listen, we don't want you here no more. 
um, you're causing all these problems, you're, you're causing issues, you know, we just can't have you here anymore. Fast forward 18 years later, this is a true story. Fast forward 18 years later, this, this woman is sitting at the breakfast table reading the newspaper and she taps her husband on the shoulder and says, you need to read this. And this woman was interviewing this NFL superstar and they said, how did you find out, you know, get where you are now? What, what were some important roles in your life, some key factors in your life that put you where you're at right now? And he said, listen, there was this one Baptist pastor that refused to give up on me when everybody else had mm. this one Baptist pastor refused to give up on me. Wow. And she looked her, her husband looked at his wife and said, we've missed it. We've missed it. We've missed this opportunity, you know, and you know, that, that changes my whole perspective of, you know, I don't want to deal with a certain uh, area, a certain zip code, a certain area code, you know, I don't want to be around that, but those yeah. people have souls. Those people need to be led. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a mentality that we have still to this day is uh, what, what makes me feel like I need to go in there. Somebody else should do that. And, you know, we've heard on a previous podcast, you better, you better be careful telling God somebody should go do something. <laughs> you to do. <laughs> You'll but, end up yeah. going for sure. No, absolutely, yeah, it's, man. It's just the, the program that they do is just absolutely wild. My mother-in-law still does it. As a matter of fact, whenever um, my dad took over pastoralship at Cobden, the Sunday school had dwindled down. The church has split a couple of times. I don't know if you know that story or not, but the church mm. had split a couple of times. And I, at the age of eight, uh, no, 19 years old, I was the youngest kid in our church. Wow. And so my dad brought my in-laws in to do a street rage. And they did this street rage. They visited all these kids. We said we had church in the park. They went from zero in Sunday school to 125 in Sunday school the very next day. Oh, the very word. next day. And you know, it's, they retained zero of them because they did not have the heart. They did not have the passion for that. So what would you say would be the key factor to developing that passion for the unchurched? Man, that's a, that is a tremendous question. And this is, you know, this is my, my whole deal. When I came to Toledo, of course, when I evangelized, I did a lot of, you know, radical outreach, uh, block parties, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, when I came to Toledo, great church, great heritage. Uh, but one of the things, you know, Brother Jordan had mentioned to me and, and, and the reason why he felt like I was the guy to come in and be the next pastor was because of, uh, because of that outreach focus and reaching our world. And so when I first came, uh, I was praying about, you know, getting the church outside the four walls, getting in the community. And so uh, I, had, I had a guy in the church uh, who's like, like a right-hand man for me. And we were driving around looking at different parks in the community and, and what have you. So, man, we're driving down this road and all this, I don't know the city at all. I'd only been here a few months. I'm driving down this road and we passed this park. And bro, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. I started crying. I looked at him and I said, bro, this is the spot, man. I don't know why, but this is the spot. And so we went and looked and, and it was, a, it was a, a park called Smith Park. And, uh, so I went back to the church. That was Wednesday, Wednesday night, I went back to the church. I said, I, I was pumped, man. Look, we found this spot. We're going to have this block party, whatever. It's going to be at Smith park. And literally in the congregation, there was an audible gasp and <laughs> like, I'm like, uh Oh, now what, you know? 
And so I had some folks come up and say, you know, you might want to like do your research. So I went and looked it up and it literally is one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in all of Ohio shootings. There's a, there's a, um, I can't remember the name of it, Smith Park. It's not Smith Park gang, but it's, 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 there's a rap song and there's all this stuff, whatever, just a lot of shootings and, and what have you. So long story short, we did a block party. We had 600 people, Holy Ghost moved. We had um, uh, around 50 get the Holy Ghost, uh, same number baptized. We went back a couple months later, did a, did a uh, school supply giveaway. And, um, and we had over a thousand people. The city of Toledo told us, you can't do it here. And we're like, look, we're doing it one way or the other. We're going to do it. And they said, well, we're, we have, you have to have police there. So we had some police officers there. And man, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. Just such a peace and a presence of God came into that park. We had over a hundred received the Holy Ghost. I look over and Officer Britt, who's community resource officer, she's standing there and she's weeping. And I said, is everything okay? And she said, you don't know. She said, two weeks ago, they had an event just like this. And it turned into an absolute disaster. She said, there was, we had to get our tasers out and people were shooting. And it was just, it was horrible. It was crazy. And she, I've never seen anything like this. And so, so that became the launch for our inner city campus. Here, here's the thing. This is what happened for us. Exposing people to the reality. It's easy to look at people as blobs, as groups, as nameless, faceless groups, right? Inner city people and whatever, and assume that they're all a certain way, right? They're all addicts or they're all gang members. Or they're all whatever. What it did for our church was it, it was this, is it, it personalized that these are just people. These are, these are single moms who, you know, maybe they made some bad choices or maybe life just handed them a, a tough deal. Um, we, we, got a, we got a young guy in our church now who, you know, his mom, he was 16, 17 years old, been kicked out of a couple schools and whatever. And uh, uh, his mom was involved in, in adult entertainment, uh, a radio show and some different things, whatever. And, and literally was like living on his own at 16, 17, and no order, no structure. And all of a sudden you recognize and realize these are real people. They're, they're just real people. They've got problems, they've got issues, and we've got the answer for them. And so instead of being, instead of, instead of, ridiculing and not, that's that's a really harsh word and i don't mean to suggest that people are doing that but instead of like like just saying you know people they're they're you know they're on drugs or they're doing this whatever all of a sudden you realize these are just real people that are hurting that are broken that are wounded and the power of god has the ability to heal and to deliver and set free and that young man is in our church today he's written a song uh, that is absolutely amazing. It's, it's awesome. And God is using him. He's going to be used in ministry. And so, you know, being able to pull that out, I, I think, I think, I think recognizing and realizing that, that these are real people that need love, they need Jesus, and they're not just nameless, faceless groups. The other thing for us that we found was this, it, it wasn't just that our people didn't care. It was, we didn't really have the mechanism or the underpinning to effectively reach into those areas because there's a lot of challenges and difficulties that, that come with that, right? There's a huge commitment level. Um, you've got people that are in survival mode. And, and so sometimes it's hard to stay connected with them or whatever. What we found was this, that relationship piece is the key. Um, you can't just go start having church services and hope that people are going to fill it up. You have oh, to build. That'll preach itself. <laughs> 
right? You have to build relationships. And what we what we started out with was we thought, well, we had a block party. We had all these people. Let's start having church. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're just going to we're going to blow up and have revival. And the reality is we had some great things happen, but we didn't build those discipleship relationships. We didn't build connections and it started to dwindle and fade. And COVID actually has been a tremendous reset for that ministry because now we've gone back to the root, to the to the to the foundation and like I said, we have multiple discipleship groups that are taking place. We're going to get back to gathering at some point. But right now, we've got to build those relationships. And we're seeing God do some amazing things. I mean, I brought, I'll tell you another, one, just one quick story. I did a funeral about a month and a half ago for a, a 20, 23-year-old young man, a lady that we connected with through one of these outreach ministries. We did a big Thanksgiving deal uh, and a big Smith Park um, um, outreach deal. She's been coming for about seven years. Her son came to church kind of in and out and just we just kind of got disconnected. It, it, this story made national news. He was in Atlanta and he went down there with a couple of friends, got in the car. They shot him and threw his dead body out on the road and kicked him out and left and drove back to Toledo. And uh, I did his funeral about about a month and a half, two months ago, and the place was packed full of people. And now all of a sudden you just realize, man, you know, we have, we had an opportunity to reach this family, to reach this young man. And I'm not saying that we didn't, we didn't try, but standing there doing that funeral, standing over that casket, realizing this is what our mission is, is we've got to reach them because if we don't, the world is going to destroy them. For sure. You know, you kept talking about relationships and having relationships and that changes things. And, you know, there's a, uh, a lady in Wisconsin that uh, she does a lot of seminars and um, something that she teaches on is the birthing of your burden. And I, I, I couldn't help but think about how relationships with people all of a sudden will start birthing a burden for that area. You know, my, oh, my, my, my in-laws they, they were going into these neighborhoods. Now, I, since my father-in-law passed away, um, you know, when, before he, he did pass away, it was, it was all expected. He had cancer. Um, yeah. But um, Brian can tell you, uh, Brian, if you had to describe David Ramsey in five words, what would you say? Um, uh, joyful, jovial, uh, happy, generous, and uh, I have to say dedicated, loving and dedicated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But he, he said to me on his deathbed and, and my brother-in-law, he said, look, I've spent 20 years building this ministry. I don't want my ministry to die with my body. He said, mm-hmm. I want you to go travel with my, with my wife, wherever she goes, I want you to go with her. Um, and, and, and just help her do whatever she, you can do to continue growing, growing the kingdom. Take, take, take kids with you to heaven. And, you know, we've been to these areas. Uh, we got invited to Canada uh, the last four or five years in a row. Uh, that last year is the first year we hadn't went. But, bro, we were going out to these parks, just like you were describing, where we had to go out an hour beforehand to pick up the used condoms, the used needles, uh, the yeah. broken beer bottles. And, you know, we, we get to these places and, you know, you, you were talking about those relationships and I, I was absolutely humbled one day 
you know, I was, I was doing the, uh, what every minister does, you know, they go around, <laughs> thanks for coming. You know, what did you think? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I went up to this older man and I said, well, uh, thanks for bringing this little one with you. And he was like, well, this is my granddaughter. He said, had I known this would have been a church service, we probably wouldn't have come because I'm going to get in trouble when I get home. I said, well, I mean, did we do something to offend you or, or, or what, what, what went on? And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, um, you know, my daughter is an atheist. My, my grandbaby's mama is an atheist. And I had to let her make that decision. And just like I met her make that decision, she's going to have to let our little girl here make the decision to live for God because she got the Holy Ghost in that meeting. Wow. And before we left there, before we left there, we set her up with the children's pastor to give her Bible studies. And the last thing that I had heard from them was that mama was letting that little girl go to Sunday school every Sunday. Awesome. And, you know, it's it's stuff like that that will birth a burden for people. And, you know, that so relate true. that relationship is so vital. But we uh, before we get off of here, uh, I want you to talk a little bit about your podcast and, and why you do it. And um, the name of your podcast is absolutely awesome. Um, I, I wish that we had a cool name like that, but <laughs> your, your podcast is so great. And Brian was kind of asking me what it was about. And I was telling him today, you know, uh, getting the church, the mentality of the church, a different mindset. Talk to us a yeah. little bit about your podcast and why you do it. What's it, what is it about and you know, how they can subscribe. And, and before you go leave us to go listen to that, finish out this episode, people, please. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. I, I think the best way to describe it is kind of tell you a little bit about, about our story. And I think it, it sets it up beautifully and it'll explain. So when I came to Toledo, um, you know, there were a wonderful church, great heritage, but was, was aging. It was, uh, you know, in decline in, uh, in numbers and so forth. And so, so, you know, needed, needed kind of revitalization in some areas, had a lot of great things going on, but needed some revitalization. And so we came in and just, man, just praying and fasting and outreach and, and different things. And in our first three years of being here, uh, we had over a thousand people filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus name, um, notable miracles. I mean, just all kinds of stuff were happening. And, you know, I've been told my whole life, you know, that's, that's how you have revival. You get people full of the Holy ghost and revival is just going to happen. And I came, I came to a place where I recognized and realized a couple of things. I realized that number one, what we were doing was not sustainable long-term. It was already starting to wane. It was impossible to keep that momentum going forever. I realized that we weren't getting the job done, you know, as great as it was, we weren't growing the church, we weren't building relationships, we weren't connected like we needed to be. And, and I just I honestly, if I'm being honest, I got to a place of frustration. And so my brother and I uh, went to a conference. He was almost in the exact same situation. He started a church, but 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 as far as like mindset and attitude, he was in the same place. And we're like, God, what is the missing piece? What are we what are we missing here? And we went to a to a, a, a breakout session of this conference, and the guy started talking about the missing piece in modern church is apostolic discipleship. And, you know, we've heard discipleship and whatever. So long story short, we started down this journey 
of implementing a true discipleship culture in our church. We often view discipleship as a class, right? People go through basically a doctrinal class, and I'm not against it. I'm not against any of that kind of stuff. Um, and they go to they go through this class for six weeks, 12 weeks, 18 weeks, whatever it is. And then they graduate. And I think we send an unfortunate message to people that discipleship is something you graduate from versus a lifetime process. And so we started going down this journey of building us. We believe that God has called the church to be a multiplication movement. We see that in the book of Acts. We see that in all the covenants in the, in the Old and New Testament, that multiplication was a part of that. And so, so we believe that discipleship is an important part. So my brother and I started launched something called the Dillingham Group. And basically what we, what we want to do is we want to come alongside pastors and not tell pastors, do church this way, but help them in their context to implement a discipleship culture. Because the principles are the same, whether you're urban, rural, old church, new church, whatever, the principles, the concepts are the, are, are the same of being this discipleship church. And so we launched the Dillingham Group. And so, so we just we're kind of talking about, you know, what do we, how do we, how do we, uh, our goal is not to grow this massive organization of Dillingham Group, but how do we reach pastors who are frustrated or maybe in the same boat we were or whatever? And so um, last July, uh, during COVID, we said, man, we've talked about doing it. Let's launch the Mobilized Church podcast to help articulate the concepts, the principles that we're implementing here in our church and what we're seeing and the, you know, the, the difficulties and challenges we're facing, the things we've learned, the growing pains, all those kind of stuff. Let's start communicating that. And the reason we call it Mobilize is this, is, is you know, I believe that the church is the greatest sleeping giant in our world today. I believe in the church. I believe in the power of the church. I believe in people. I believe that people love God. I believe they have a heart for the mission. The peace that they're missing is being mobilized into our world. And so what we want to talk about is this mobilization piece, which is getting into those key spaces of life. What, what, the mistake that we made was we immediately sent people off to go be missionaries. And what we found was they immediately, or, or they, they didn't have any immediate relationships. And so, you know, it kind of fizzled out for a while. So we pulled the reins back and said, what, you, what we need to do is we need to help people to grow in learning how to build relationships first. Because if they build relationship, relationships first, the, 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 the gospel will just naturally come out of them and they'll begin to share their story. There's a great book by Jeff Vanderstelt called Gospel Fluency. It talks about, you know, communicating the everyday truths of Jesus uh, without being weird, without trying to force it or make it happen. And so, so the Mobilized Church podcast is kind of uh, the outgrowth of our experiences and trying to help people to come alongside and just say, hey, we want to we help you grow. So uh, people can check us out. Um, we have, uh, they, they go to the dillinghamgroup.org. There's information there. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're taking it slow. Again, one of, one of our, our concepts is more time with fewer people produces greater results. And so we're not looking to, you know, to take on 500 pastors or whatever. We're just coming alongside some key pastors and saying, hey, we want to walk with you on this journey and help and help navigate through that. And then uh, people can go to all of the different podcast platforms 
and uh, just just look up the Mobilized Church podcast. And we we do we do ours uh, we do Facebook Live um, on Tuesday mornings, uh, usually around ten o'clock Eastern time. We do Facebook Live, and so just again just trying to connect with people and and kind of get that word out. But I'm super passionate. Uh, this is you know so, sometimes you find that that thing. And this is, this is why I was created, man. This is, this is why I've always had a burden. I've always had a passion. I wasn't raised in church. I, I, you know, God, God found me in an amazing way. And I, and since that moment, I've had this burden, this passion to just, just tell everybody what Jesus did for me. He wants to do it for you. And it's the greatest life that you could have. And so so, you know, I've always had that burden. I've always had that passion, been involved in a lot of different things. But, but when, I, when I found this discipleship piece, I finally believe that, that we have the ability, truly, genuinely have the ability to reach our world. We just got to mobilize people and get them into that, those, those spaces of life and get them to believe. You know, as you're talking about like inner city ministry, I mean, some people might be listening and say, well, I, I don't know that I could ever do that. Well, certainly there's, there's a, there's a calling and, and, you know, anointed people make it look easy, but, but here's the reality of it. Every single person listening to this podcast can build a relationship with your neighbor, with your coworker, uh, with, you know, somebody that you have a shared interest with. Anybody can do that. And, and that's, that's the genesis of, of being a missionary and sharing, you know, the truths of Jesus and sharing your testimony, the transformational story that God has done in your life. And uh, man, I'm super, super passionate about, it. I appreciate you guys giving, you know, giving me the opportunity to be on here. I'm, I, I've seen the names that you've had and I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I feel like that Sesame Street uh, deal, you know, which, which one of these don't belong. And that's kind of <laughs> oh, where I, where I feel like I fit in. No, but, no, but I, uh, I, I, I've learned over the years, man, it doesn't take a person chock full of Holy Ghost to be a friend to somebody. Absolutely. To be able to yeah. listen. You know, yeah. Brian, Brother Bernard was here a couple of years ago. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, how long after somebody's in the church do we start using them? You know, we were having a church building seminar and he said, well, it don't take a man that's just overflowing with Holy Ghost to open the door for somebody. <laughs> and I think right. that's where we miss it. You know, you know, we, we, we have to put all these standards on different people and different things. Well, well, if I was this kind of person, I would do that for God. But since I'm not, don't have that qualification, I don't feel like I'm, uh, should be available to do that kind of ministry, man. I just miss me with all that stuff. I get so tired of even myself limiting what I can do because I don't feel qualified to do it. Man, and yeah. here's the deal, Tony. Here's here's the deal. This is why I'm so passionate, man, is because not only that, but people are missing that the the vitality of living for Jesus. I, I did I preached a revival. I, I had my appendix taken out on a Tuesday, and I went and preached a revival in South Florida on Thursday in a predominantly Jamaican church. There it they is. almost they almost killed me. No lie, straight up almost killed me. I mean, uh -huh. we were it was off the charts. And there was a girl about 17, 18 years old. I mean, there was a there was an NFL player there we prayed for, got the Holy Ghost. I mean, it, it was crazy what God was doing. And there was a girl 17, 18 years old. Literally, they're they're moving chairs out of the way, and she was asleep, sound asleep. And I just kind of had this moment of like, that is a picture of how a lot of people are 
you know, as amazing as our services are, there's people that just don't have the vitality of living for Jesus. Why? Here's why. Because the vitality of living for Jesus is not just in, I'm thankful for NAYC. I'm thankful for great services. I'm thankful for all that kind of stuff. But the real vitality is the place where Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, he's, he's talking to the woman at the well. They come up with food. And Jesus said, I don't need your physical food because I have meat that you know not of. What right. is he talking about? He's talking about this is where I get my energy. This is where I get my strength and my vitality is reaching somebody that's a reject from society, somebody who's an outcast, somebody who everybody else thinks it's a hopeless cause. And this is where I get my vitality of living for Jesus. And bro, I could tell you story after story after story after story of, of the miraculous, of amazing things that God does, amazing doors that open up. When people just take that step and start connecting and building relationships with unchurched people, if you can just break past that fear or, or whatever it is that's holding you back, if you can just break past that, I'm telling you, there's a vitality. There, the, the, the couple that's leading our ministry at the motel will tell you they, they were good, faithful people just came to church. But bro, they're wrecked right now because we're ministering at a hotel in, in a five-month period. We had six people that we were ministering to that died of heroin overdoses in five months. Wow. We, we came, started having church, started ministering to people, started loving on them, just, just ministering however we could. And, 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 and the couple born and raised in church, it was way out of their comfort zone, but they started getting connected with people. And, and the, the police of that community actually came to one of our services and said, we just wanted to come and let you know that we appreciate what you're, what you guys are doing, because in the last six months, we've not had one heroin overdose here. And the number of calls, we were coming out here five, six times a week. And now we're, we maybe get one or two calls a month to come out here. Wow. Wow. And it's because of what you guys are doing. I'm, I'm just, I, I just want people to, to feel and experience the joy that, of watching somebody. That's what church growth is. Yeah. That's what church growth is. hundred percent. And whenever you said that those Jamaican folks wore you out, Brian, to put, to tell you why I laughed, to put that into context. When this dude was at my church preaching, he's walking on the backs of pews all around the church. <laughs> man, that's awesome. That was some wild days, man. That was some wild days for sure. That is awesome. Oh, man. But, man, thank you for coming on and, and sharing your, your heart with us, man. It just – I don't know about you, Brian, but it just – it puts some ice water in my veins. Some ice water in your veins? I've never, I've never heard that expression. He's not a sports fan, Chris. I know, I know. That's that's all right. We we know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it, that one went way over my head. That means that whenever the time is most vital, I want to capitalize. Okay, that, why didn't you that, just say that? Because <laughs> it's way cooler to say ice water in my veins. When I say uh, ice water in my veins, who do you think of, Chris? Or excuse me, MJ. brother. No, it's Chris. Is fine. MJ, man. Of course, the goat. The goat. Hang up on all that uh, LeBron trash. But anyway, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, My heart's full right now. My Lord, it was great. But thanks for guys. I I appreciate the opportunity, man. Both of you guys doing a great job on the podcast. 
And, you know, I, I, I love the success that you're having and just, man, I'm honored to be, to be a part of the conversation for sure. Well, we can't well, do it you. like you. That's true. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in tonight. Brian, sign us off. Um, it's easy to look at where others are at and see their level of success and judge yourself by it. We talked a little bit about success. And towards the end, uh, Brother Dillingham talked about uh, a church that's ministering to people, transforming a community, and probably doesn't have the program that others have. Um, sitting here in this conversation, I looked up the numbers of uh, Lakewood Church, the largest church that, I, that, as far as I know, it's the largest church in North America. Uh, they have 52,000 people on a, any given Sunday attending their services. And that's a huge number. And in many ways, you could look at that and see that as being a great measure of success. And you can get frustrated because where you're at, you're not even a portion of that. But I would like to point you to another number, and it's the number of the community that they're in. They're in Houston, Texas. Two point. 31 million people are in the Houston area. I did the math on it, and it comes to being that their church of 52,000 people is 0.002% of their community because their community is so massive mm -hmm. in, in that city. And yet there are pastors that they pastor in churches that run 200, but they're in communities of 3,000. And that percentage is 6.67%. Percentage-wise, they're doing far better at reaching their community than the largest church in North America. And so to Tony's point that he made earlier, that the numbers don't tell the whole story. But what matters is the transformation that's happening and the influence that you're having. And so don't get distracted by what the numbers say but be focused in on what God is doing in the context that you're in. And this has been a very crucial conversation.